Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. Ephesians chapter 3, I want to read beginning at verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles. Now, do you notice that? What, just, just stay with me. Let me build my case today. The, 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 I'm, a, I'm a prisoner for who? You what? Say it with me. Gentiles. That, that's going to mean something in a minute. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets New Testament apostles and prophets what is it? what's the mystery? that the Gentiles should be heirs, fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. Now, I don't know. There might be one or two Jews in here that I'm not aware of, but the vast, vast majority of us are Gentiles. That means a non-Jewish person. Aren't you thankful we didn't get left out? Come on, somebody. Aren't you thankful we didn't get left out? We we need to be grateful that God included us. Of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Three Greek words for power right in there. To me, Paul said, who am less than the least of all the saints. I'll talk about that in a minute. This grace was given that I should preach among the who? Y'all say it. The Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. Why was it hidden? This is going to be kind of the crux of my message. To the intent that now, not, not in the past, God hid it. But now, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known By the church. Y'all see that? By, everybody say those three words with you. I'm going to teach it. By the, (laughs) oh Jesus, help us. To who? The principalities and powers. Who's, Who's that? That's the devil. And his hordes, his, his demonic hierarchy of power. God uses, oh, I got I to quit because I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. God uses us to tell the devil something that the devil doesn't want to hear. Mm. Y'all feel it, don't you? Verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. How do you know it's accomplished? Because when he died on the cross, he said it is finished. In whom... In Jesus we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Thank you so much. You can be seated. Thank you for respecting the word. I've entitled this message today, 
I didn't see that coming. Told you I was going to preach it. I didn't see that coming. Now, I want you to use your imagination, please. I want you to imagine a white church with a white pastor in a white section of town. Got it? All right. Now imagine that the denominational headquarters of that church sends word that they will be integrating the black churches in town into the white churches in that denomination in that town. They will be joined together, no longer two, but one. Still with me? Now imagine that this white church, this imaginary white church has people in it who don't understand black churches, who don't appreciate black churches, and even has people who are prejudiced towards black people. But headquarters has said, you're going you're to come together as one. Y'all still with me? Now, imagine in this fictitious church that you are the representative sent by headquarters to go to the white church and explain to them what's happening and then go to the black church and tell them it's okay, you're welcome, y'all come on in. And you've got to be the one handling it. Now, why do I tell this little fictitious story that seems to have, it does, a tint of racism in it? Because it fits perfectly, fictitiously, as a correlation of what factually was going on in the first century in the early church. God called the Apostle Paul to do something very similar to what I had you imagine to do if you were the representative from headquarters. Now, let me explain something to you. When you read the book of Acts, early on, everybody that's getting saved early on is Jewish. They're all Jewish. Nobody like us. They're Jewish people, okay? In my fictitious story, the Jewish people would correlate with the white folks. The Gentiles would correlate with the black folks. And Paul was the representative head. Now, why is all this so important? Because, much like what was in America in the 1950s, 1960s especially, there was tremendous animosity and racism between these two races between the Jews and the Gentiles. Jews did not like Gentiles, would not eat with them, would not fellowship with them. They thought they were unclean, and the Gentiles thought they were a bunch of dogs. That's what they thought of the Gentile Jews. They had a low esteem of each other. They were antagonistic to one another. Many of them were prejudiced, and they had nothing to do with one another. But now God's saving some of them. And Paul is given, and I'm going to use his terms, a dispensation. Now, we don't use that word, so what does it mean? Terms that we can understand a special stewardship, a responsibility, and a mystery, which is a divine revelation that had been previously hidden. And this 
stewardship and revelation would radically change the way these two groups related to one another. His stewardship, his responsibility was to be the one sent to the Gentiles to incorporate them into this new church and his revelation was that through Jesus and redemption, God was going to take two groups that previously hated each other, redeem some of them, and then bring them together into the body of Christ. It was scandalous and radical. And Paul would tell you that he was least, the least likely person to fulfill this task because Paul was a Jew. He was more than a Jew. He was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader. He was a sold-out, hardcore Jew. So you know he did not like Gentiles and had nothing to do with Gentiles. He probably was very prejudiced against Gentiles. And because he was a religious sinner. And yet, in verse 8, Paul tells us, informs us, that God called him to be the one to bring Jews and Gentiles together. Now, I'm teaching you. Now, let me preach. Y'all ready? Because if you want to get happy, here's your chance. I see a couple lessons in this. They're simple truths. But boy, did we need to hear them. And you can shout on them. Here's truth number one. God can change anybody. Oh, go ahead. If you're going to clap, you better do better than that. Celebrate that. God can change anybody. If he could take that dude and save him and do what he can do anything in your life. That's the saving power of Jesus Christ. I just put in my notes, just remind myself, he can make a drunk man sober. He can make a drug addict clean. He can make a prostitute righteous. Come on, he can make a mean woman nice. He can make a proud man meek. And let me tell you this, he can make a prejudiced, racist man somebody who all of a sudden loves everybody and doesn't care what color your skin is because the blood of Jesus has made us one. That's the power. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm trying to behave. That's the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Never, listen to me, if you're here this morning and you're not saved, I've got a word for you. Never underestimate the transformative power of the gospel. We used to sing, it is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. You can be good. You can be holy. You can be righteous. You can rise above sin and its terrible effects on your life. You can, listen, you can move past your past. That is good. Some of y'all don't have, y'all are, are calm this morning. I watch y'all while you worship. You must not have got a lot of sleep last night. You must have stayed up and watched too much football. But don't you hold out on God this morning. I said you can move past your past. Some of you ought to be shouting right now because if we drummed up your past, you wouldn't want anybody to see it. That's the power of Jesus Christ. All that gets behind you. <laughs> you can be what people said you could never be. 
God can change anybody. Here's a second little truth I see in this simple story with Paul and what God did in his life and in the church. God can use anybody. By the way, I almost skipped a part I don't need to skip. And most preachers would just say, oops, I missed it, moved on. But I'm not because somebody here today may say, wait a minute, you got me all ramped up, but you didn't tell me what to do. So if you are here today and I just gave you hope, and now you're sitting there saying, but what do I do? May I use the words of an old hymn? Why don't you just have a little talk with Jesus? Tell him all about your sins, your troubles. He'll hear your faintest cry, and he'll answer by and by. Because the writer said, I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. And then a little light from heaven filled my soul. It bathed my heart in love and it wrote my name above and just a little talk with Jesus made me whole. And if you, you can sit there in your seat. You don't have to have an altar call. Listen to me. Right there, while I'm still preaching, you can bow your head and say, oh God, I am what you know I am. I'm a sinner, but I believe what they sang. I believe what Pastor Sistar is preaching, that you died on the cross for me and has power to, to change my life. Please forgive me. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I'm telling you right now, as sure as I'm standing on this stage. God will wash you, cleanse you, change you. He'll take all your sin away, your guilt away. You'll start shouting in the middle of my preaching, not because of what I'm saying, but because of what Jesus just did in your life. My God, if I could shout right now, I'd run if I could. God can change anybody. God can use anybody. If he could use Paul, he could use you. Some of you need to stop underselling yourself. Hmm. Somewhere, some of you bought into the lie that God cannot use you. But I came to this lectern, this pulpit, this stage today to tell you that God uses the least likely people to do things they never imagined they could do. wasn't in my notes, but it comes to my memory. I've told you this story. Some of you have never heard it. But I, God gave me the name of a woman at a church where I was going to be a special guest speaker. Terrified me and told me she'd had an abortion. Some of you heard me tell this story, but it's coming back to my mind. That night, I called that woman's name out. Is there anybody here by that name? And a woman in the back raised her hand. She came up to me after church. I said, I'm going to ask you something. If the answer is no and I'm wrong, I will apologize to you, and I've missed it. you got to be humble when you're going to flow. It's scary to flow in the Spirit. I said, if I'm wrong, I'll confess it and admit it. But I have to ask you a question. I was in her ear. I didn't do this publicly, quietly. I said, have you ever had an abortion? She dropped her head, and she said yes. And I gave her a word that God was going to use her. I, this word God had given me, I gave it to her that was about ministry and life and doing things for him. I had no idea. That after church, that was during the altars, after church that woman came up to me and told me that she had had an abortion as a teenager, but then she got saved and she wanted to do ministry to teenage girls to help them so that they don't do what she did. But she said, every time I started to move in that direction to step up to be used by God, the devil would remind me of my past. 
and say, who do you think you are? You killed a baby. You're disqualified. You have no business trying to tell somebody else how to live and encourage them. And she said, I would withdraw every time. But she said, tonight you came down to Columbia, South Carolina in a tent meeting and gave me a word from the Lord. And I realized my past is past. And what God has done for me qualifies me and I'm going to step forward and do what God has called me to do. Y'all ain't hearing me this morning. God can use anybody. It doesn't matter what you were, what you've done. God can do the things in you you could never imagine. Sometimes we want to look at the most talented, the most gifted, those who have, that are blessed the most and we think those are the ones that are most qualified and yes, God uses people like that. He wouldn't have given them the gifts if he didn't expect them to do something with him. But I'm telling you, God can take people who are average, people who are mediocre, people who can't do much, and he can do things with them. I traveled in a group and sang. We went around the world. And I struggled because everybody else in that group was a better singer than me. I don't know why they asked me to be in it. I sang a tenor. Every once in a while I'd sing a solo. But everybody else in that group, they were much better singers than me. And I wrestled with that and I struggled with that, how, how God could use me because I felt average until I was sitting in Okinawa, Japan in a conference there and, and a man gave up and got up to the platform, was teaching and he said, God made you with both your strengths and your weaknesses. I never heard anybody say that. They said, all those talents you have, he said, God gave them to you. But all the limitations you have, God gave them to you too. Some people can do better than you. You have to learn to accept your strengths, but also your limitations. I started crying. I was weeping in Okinawa, Japan, because that day it liberated me. And I realized that even though I may not be able to sing as good as Leah, and I can't sing as good as Renee, and I can't sing as good as these other people, you know what? I have a voice, and I got an anointing, and I'm going to give God everything I can. And I traveled around the world and ministered all over this world, and God used me. I'm telling you today, you don't have to be a super duper. You don't have to be uber talented. You just have to be available and say, God, you've done so much for me. I'm preaching this morning. I want to do something for you, God. Hallelujah. Say, Pastor, what could God do with me? There are a lot of things you can do. You don't have to get a microphone, get up front. You can, you can pray for the church. Praise the Lord. Just walk and praise him a while, Brother James. You can pray for the church. You can pray for the lost. You can witness to people you know. You know, there are people that I'll never, ever interact with that you interact with every day. That man had knee surgery, by the way. He's just glad to be up and walking. Hallelujah. Go ahead, walk around. Give him praise this morning. You don't bother me. He brought you through COVID. You almost died. Now you got through a knee surgery and you had church on Sunday. A lot of people that laid out, but you came to church on Sunday. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. That's what I'm talking about. The devil's not going to keep me back. The devil's not going to keep me down. The devil's not going to talk me out of it. I am somebody in Jesus Christ. I am a vessel that can be used by God. God, do something with me. Here am I. Send me. You can witness to people I'll never be able to witness to. You can volunteer in ministry. 
You can be friendly to new people at high praises. Just be friendly to them. You can promote church unity and solidarity. You can make everybody feel loved and welcomed. That was my introduction. Oops. So let me preach a little bit. So the uniting of Jews and Gentiles, two groups that previously hated each other, into this thing called the church was something that nobody saw coming. The Old Testament prophets saw into the future. They saw the birth of Jesus. They saw the death of Jesus. They saw the resurrection of Jesus. They saw the the millennial reign of Jesus. They saw the new heavens and the new earth, but they never saw the church. Why did God hide it? And wait until he started doing it to reveal what it was. Now, there are all kinds of theories that we could come up with. I have my own, and I'm going to preach it today. And I'm basing it on the text. So I'm not just pulling this out of a book. I'm pulling it out of the book. I think God didn't want the devil to know. Because every time the devil knows what God's up to, he always sticks his nose in it and tries to mess it up. Y'all ever found that true in your life? All the time sticking his nose where it doesn't belong. God made this earth, made Adam and Eve paradise. Then the devil showed up and messed everything up. Then God delivers the Israelites out of Egypt and their bondage and brings them out into the promised land and makes them this powerful nation and King David's conquering everybody and Solomon is building into this mighty mighty empire in the Middle East there and they just got it rocking but the devil sticks his nose in it and they're supposed to be a light and a revelation of Yahweh to all the surrounding nations but you know what happened instead of doing that they let the influence uh, there's a sermon in this some of y'all need to hear this they let the people around them influence them and they sinned and became idolaters And the devil was in all that and messed it up. So when God decided to unite the Jews and the Gentiles and form the church, God waited until it was happening. And even then, Satan said, oh, okay, I'm going to do what I always do. And I'm going to try to mess this thing up. But this time, he was unsuccessful in thwarting God's plan. Instead, he was constantly in shock and awe and confused. Let me explain. You can help me preach here. He took Jesus to the cross using Judas Iscariot and the Jews and the Romans. They nailed him to the cross, bled the life out of him. He gave up his life. He's dead. They stuck a spear in his side, take his body down, put it in a grave, and Satan and death said, we got him. Satan told death, put your icy grip on him and whatever you do, don't you let him out of that tomb. And Satan thought he had won until that Easter Sunday morning. 
For three days, he thought he had done it until that Easter Sunday morning when the ground began to shake and the tomb, the door of the tomb, the stone rolled away and two angels showed up and resurrection power came back into the corpse and life came and Jesus' eyes fluttered. And he took breath and he, his body had not decayed because God preserved it. And he stepped up and he stepped out of that tomb and resurrection power. And the devil was standing there shaking and quaking and said, I didn't see that coming. Come on, somebody, give him praise today. Devil said, I didn't see that coming. We sang it. The church of Christ was born and the spirit lit the flame. Remember, we sang it this morning. Well, the church of Christ was born. 120 people got together, the early church, and they're meeting, and they're having some business meetings, and they're praying. And the devil said, cool with that, because he doesn't mind if we come together on Sunday morning like this and get excited and shout a little bit and hear the word. As long as we sit idle and don't do anything with it when you get in your car and leave here today. And so they were just sitting there, and they were, they were praying. They weren't really doing anything. They weren't witnessing. They weren't healing anybody. They weren't casting out devils. And this went on for days, and the devil thought, well, man, if this is the church, what was I worried about? There's no problems here. I got this. They're not going to do it. I'll mess this up. Just give me a little time. I'll mess this up. And the day of Pentecost came. And they're all together in one place, in one accord. They got their mind all together. The devil can't, see, he knew he couldn't work because they all had their minds together. They all had one spirit. They were working together. There's something about unity in the church. And they were unified. And on the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one place with one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues like fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And Peter and James and John stepped out with the other apostles. And they began to preach. And 3,000 souls were saved. And the 120 when he left and they began to witness and then they won people and they won people and they won people and the next thing you know they're turning the world upside down and Satan is saying but wait a minute I thought you were just going to have meetings on Sunday wait a minute I thought y'all were just going to sing and shout a little bit and pray and go home and then do it again the next Sunday what are you doing and the devil said I didn't see that coming <laughs> so 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 the devil said, I'll take care of this. Uh, all right, well, then get the Holy Ghost. I'll take care of y'all. And he got him a puppet named Saul. And he put a hatred in that man. As much as he hated Gentiles, he hated Christ more. As much as he hated Gentiles, he hated Christians more. And this young man, he was a young man. He went on a rampage persecuting the church arresting Christians, 
putting some of them to death, and he is having the time of his. He's, he's like the Gestapo in, in, in Nazi Germany. He doesn't care about them. He wants to destroy. He wants to make them miserable. He is, he is out with a vengeance. And, and the devil said, oh, I got them now. The more I persecute them, they'll crumble. You watch. This thing is going under. And he thought he had it. He thought he had it going on until one day on a road to the city of Damascus, Paul is going on purpose, ready to arrest some more Christians and persecute some more Christians and kill some more Christians when all of a sudden a bright light from heaven shone upon him and the force of that glory knocked him to the ground and he was instantly blinded and he heard a voice and it was like a voice he had never heard before saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? See, Jesus sees the church not as a separate entity but as an extension of himself. He is the head, we are the body. And he said, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus who you are persecuting. And within a short matter of time, this evil, wicked man who was destroying the church humbled himself and asked Jesus to come into his heart. And God saved him, and he became a leader of the church, wrote half of the New Testament, traveled the world, planting churches everywhere. And Satan was over there with his jaw dropped saying, I didn't see that coming. So then the devil said, all right, we'll just keep this thing limited to Jewish people. I've always been successful messing them up, so we'll just keep it confined to Jewish people. And now he's working to try to keep it contained until one day a deacon named Philip decided to make a trip to Samaria. And the deacon started preaching and the Samaritans were half Jews, half Gentiles. And they started believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and were saved. And Peter and John went down, laid hands on them. They got filled with the Holy Ghost. And the devil said, well, I didn't see that coming, but, now, but, but, I, but they're half Jews. I can work on that half. We'll keep this thing contained. And he's working hard. Until a man named Cornelius, who was a Roman centurion, the same kind of person that killed Jesus, is a devout man. He may be a Gentile, but he learned about Jehovah, and he's trying to live for Jehovah. He doesn't understand it all. He's fasting, he's praying, and then he gets a vision. Meanwhile, Peter, who is a good Jew, who was trained, don't ever hang out with Gentiles, has a vision from God, and the vision said, get up, I want you to go to this house, and don't you call what I'm about to make clean, unclean. You get over there, I got a job for you to do. And Peter went into that house and preached Jesus. And while he's preaching to Cornelius and his household, a bunch of Gentiles. They believed. He didn't even give an altar call. He didn't even give an invitation. They just got saved while he was preaching and while he was preaching, God poured out the Holy Ghost and they became a a Pentecostal church, if you will, just like that. And Peter dropped and he said, I didn't see that coming. And in the background, the devil said, I didn't see that coming either. And now Gentiles are being saved. You see what I'm saying? Every time the devil tries to do something, God just comes back at him. And this brings us to our text. Pastor, that sounds like an introduction. Might be part two. God started saving Jews and Gentiles, creating the church. And what happens? What I've seen happen in my life, pastoring high praises. Former members who were racist, 
mean, hard-hearted, cruel, unkind, get in, get saved and come into this place looking and at and sitting by people that before they would have been racist towards and mean towards and cruel towards and unkind towards, but they can't do that because they've been changed. And these Jews and Gentiles start meeting together to have church. And all the ethnic barriers come down. All the racial barriers come down. All the prejudices were erased. Everybody got along. Everybody's having fun. Everybody's shaking hands and hugging necks and loving on each other. They wouldn't have done that before they got saved. You couldn't have paid them a million dollars to hug each other's necks. Now they're hugging each other's necks and saying, let's go out to eat. Let's go have some fellowship. What is? And the devil's over there saying, I don't want this. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> what a miserable hand clap. But that's all right. You're going to shout right now. Because everything I just said to you happened a long time ago. And it's in the Bible. And you're listening to it. I knew this would happen. A lot of you are celebrating. Some of you just sitting there listening. But I got one more for you. This is recent for you. You were a reprobate. You were a heathen. You were unlikable. Matter of fact, there's other words I'm not allowed to use, won't say. But other people would use those words to describe you, wouldn't they? Yeah, there's some words they use to describe you all the time. They told it to your face and behind your back because of the way you talked and the way you lived. You didn't care about God. You didn't care about anybody but yourself. You got in trouble, you drank, you smoked, you did drugs, you slept around, you did everything in the world. You were proud, you were cocky, you were arrogant. Some of you destroyed your marriage, some of you, your kids couldn't stand you. You were in a mess, but one day, I don't know the rest of your story, but one day, one afternoon, one evening, somewhere, somehow, through somebody, God got the gospel to you. The Holy Ghost conviction came all over you. All of a sudden, you realized you were in a mess. You realized you were on your way to hell. You realized you needed a rescuer. You understood you needed a savior. You needed a deliverer. You dropped to your knees and you said, oh God, have mercy on me. Save me from my sins. Meanwhile, the devil thought he had you all locked up. The devil thought he had you on your way to hell. He was going to drag your soul to hell with him. But all of a sudden, something happened, and Jesus changed the trajectory of your life. And the devil looked at you and said, but wait a minute. I thought I had you. I didn't see that coming. My God, you better praise him. You better praise him. You better praise him. You better praise him. Come on, give him praise if he saved you. Come on, give him thanks if he's if he changed your life. Come on, celebrate what Jesus did. Don't you sit out on him. Tell him thank you for what he did for you. <laughs> your mama said, I didn't see that coming. 
Your daddy said, I didn't see that coming. Your wife said, I didn't see that coming. Your husband said, I didn't see that coming. Your kids said, I didn't see that coming. The preacher said, I never saw that coming. But Jesus never gave up on you. And Jesus knew all along what was going to happen to you in your life. Jesus saw it coming. Where you been all this time? That would have been good organ music right there. Whee, hit that thing. Sit down for just a few more minutes, please. <laughs> Come on, praise him. I forgot all about this sermon. I'm glad I found this one. Y'all okay? Preaching long. Y'all all right? I gotta quit preaching so long, but I only get you once. Can you give me five more minutes? 20? Let me preach this. I want to go back to verse 10. Can you find verse 10? Put that back up on the screen. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Satan thought every time he could outsmart God, but the multifaceted wisdom of God far surpassed the devil's cunning. Let me talk to us. When the church stands united, when the church stands in solidarity, when we put aside our differences and we rally around the blood of Jesus, we are put on display before the powers of hell. And God reminds the devil that in spite of all of his efforts, his schemes, his plannings, God reminds him one more time that nothing can stop God and his plan to redeem fallen people. Devil, you think you got them. But when I save them, you have to let them go. Because they're mine. I want to remind you one more time, there is power in the blood of Jesus. The cross tears down racial barriers. The cross tears down sociological barriers, economic barriers, ethnical barriers, educational barriers, religious barriers. It brings us together as one. When I was preparing for this message, I thought about the church, Pastor Billy. Today, you and I work together, so we have conversations along this line. It can be discouraging looking at the church today. Pastors have been leaving the ministry like crazy because they said it's, it's gotten too discouraging. Less people are attending church than ever before. Way too many Christians are undervaluing the house of God and the family of God, but we are overvaluing the things of this life. In many ways, it is true that in America, we have lost our influence in this country culturally. But God sees things differently. And here's what I want you to listen to me say. As long as God is on the throne, 
the church of the living God will never go under. It'll never go under. It might transition, and I think that's what we've been in, but it will always thrive because we are the body of Christ. We are Christ incarnate on this earth. They tried to stop him the first time, and they failed, and they'll fail when they try to stop us. I shared this one time. I'm going to share it again because there's so many of you new, and you don't remember everything I tell you. But a few years ago, just a few, it was, it was Pastor Billy, probably what, COVID, post-COVID, we were in a staff meeting, and I, and I had gotten discouraged because people weren't coming back to church. 25% of churchgoers who attended prior to COVID have not returned to the house of God. I don't know where they are, but they're not back in their church. We're facing some of that here. I think probably taking this church through COVID wore out most pastors, and I was worn down like everybody else, and I got discouraged, and I'm a glass half full guy. Even when I get down, I usually pop back up. Give me a minute to rant and rave, get it out of my system, and then I'll get positive again. But I had lost that. I got discouraged. And it got bad because not only was it within me, but then I was sitting in a staff meeting, and now it was starting to come through and what I was saying to my staff, to our pastoral staff. And this had happened once or twice in a meeting. And on a particular Monday, I started in again, and the Holy Spirit shut me up. While I was talking, I, I had the deep, strong impression of the Spirit of God, you need to shut up right now. Stop that. I stopped. And I heard God speak to me while I'm having a staff meeting. God can speak to you in milliseconds. Takes me, you know, 40 minutes to get it out to you, but God can get it to you in four milliseconds. And this is what God told me. If you want to shout, you can. If you just want to soak it in and rejoice in it, you can. But God said to me, didn't I make you a promise that upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, Chris Star. And God said there are going to be people that aren't going to come back to church. And don't you know I don't know that. But let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you what the Lord told me. The Lord said there are going to be people who have been out of church who are going to come running back to the church who are going to have a greater appreciation for church because we couldn't have church. But then God said more than that, I'm going to start saving the lost in America and I'm going to take those old shallow superficial Christians who won't darken the doors of my church and do what I told them to do and I'm going to go save me some new children of God and I'm going to bring them into this place because I will have a church, says the Lord. Since that day, I've seen both of those things take place. I just came here to tell you today, we are God's special people, and you need the church. You need to come to church. You need to be active in your church. 
Well, that's something the preacher's supposed to say. Well, okay, I'm saying it, but I'm telling you what Jesus said in this text. The whole thing I've preached to you and I'm about to quit is God needs to put us on display and we need to start stop telling the devil, you won, I'm not going to show up but about once every six weeks. Well, then the devil wins. We need to start showing up like we're supposed to show up and tell the devil, you didn't see that coming, did you? Because I'm going back to church. I'm going back to the house of God. I'm going to be here when it's time to show up so God can show you what he's done in my life. Now you can clap for that or not, but I'm telling you that's the word of the living God. God wants to put us on display. But you gotta be here to be on display. You better stand up before I get myself in trouble. Hallelujah. I have a question for you. I want to have an altar call. I want to have a full bore altar call right now. What are you going through in life right now where it feels like the devil's, Jesus, Jesus need to take the wheel because right now it feels like the devil's got the wheel. What are you going through right now that you need God to show up and work in your life? Because what I came here today to do for an altar call is say to you, get to this altar and cry out to God and let God show up in your life and begin to work in such a way that before it's over, the devil's going to look at you and say, I didn't see that coming. You need a I didn't see that coming testimony. You need a I didn't see that coming moment in this altar. You need healing, let God heal you. The devil say, I didn't see that coming. You need to be saved, restored, let God do it. The devil say, I didn't see that coming. Whatever you need from God, I want to pray. And then I want you to run to this altar. You can run now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I've preached your word. I've, I've elevated you. I've lifted you up. But now, God, I know there are people that are fighting and wrestling and struggling. It could be physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, relationally, financially, with work. It could be any number of things. It could, it could be in a, they're in a battle right now. But I pray, God, as people come to this altar that father you will meet them here and you will work in their life and do such an amazing thing that the devil will say I didn't see God doing that I didn't recognize that I, I never foresaw that I didn't see that coming God just work in the lives of your people in the name of Jesus come on get to this altar thanks for listening be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. for more information or to watch our services online please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.